they did this really fascinating thing where the whole game is is built to to actually just have one camera shot. So there's no cuts. And even that, that's between cutscenes. There's no loading zones. Like you load into the game when you, you know, hit start. But when you're in there, it's just one continuous shot. And I don't get it. I'm gonna be honest. Like so there I, I Hey, listen, listen, Sam. We did that in Crashlands, so it's not that impressive. <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to episode 267 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I live three seconds in the past. I'm Sam. This is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is July 10th, 20 Blundy. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be swears on this show. Also, we'd like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We grabbed their money. It was, it was great. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about life. First up, towers, laser towers, specifically Corsair LT100 IQ light towers. I got them. They are pointless, and I fucking love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they- <laughs> so, so shows a picture of his of his gaming rig. I think I think now that it's covered in LEDs, I think rig it's is called the a rig only now. appropriate term. Mm-hmm. It's a it's, it's a rig now. It's hilarious. You could probably there, there's some subreddit that's like just for sharing your, like people's ridiculous PCs. Like you're there, you're ready, you're ready to share with that crowd. I'm not going to though. I'm keeping this all to myself. Nobody mm-hmm. can. This is all for me. It's uh, just yeah, it's, LEDs everywhere. Yeah, there's these two these two towers. They're probably a foot and a half tall, and you put them on your desk, and they just glow. That's it. that's all that they. You know, for some reason, when you do? initially described it, I thought it was going to be like a, a like a more like the Xbox Series X, where it looks like a refrigerator, you know, with LEDs on it. It looks uh, almost more like it's got a square base, and then it almost has like a thin yeah, antenna thing. Coming yeah, it's out. much more sci-fi than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, which is probably good, you know. And you can you can program the shit out of it. I was playing with all kinds of different uh, different lighting configurations. I ended up just going with the you know the, the cycling rainbow glow. I mean, that's always, that's a classic gamer choice. Uh, that way, you get all of the spectrum of colors, mm-hmm. and then you've got all your bases covered. You get the red LEDs for speed. You get the blue LEDs for cooling. Mm-hmm. You get the green LEDs for for energy for saving mode. Yeah. Yep, that's the one. Yep. Uh, you get all the colors, you know, and that's how you maximize performance is by averaging this. Mm-hmm. So are you, so are you recommending this product? Is this something that people should go get? Look, nobody should have this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think that's correct. It's a dumb, idiot, pointless thing to have. Uh, and I got it. And it's amazing. So no, you just sometimes you got to treat yourself, it. you know? <laughs> yeah, Sparks I, I joy. It sparks joy. I treated myself to uh, a purchase of a, a new video card because I over Ooh. over our little our little uh, holiday break. Um, I had two I had two machines, two work uh, rigs. One that was my home machine, and then one that was the one from work. Because of course, you know, nobody goes to a workplace anymore. So I just had them sitting side by side. My plan originally was to like have a fun switch where I could switch monitors between the two and use them both at once. So one could be running Linux, I could be doing all my fun web dev stuff, and one's running Windows. So I could. Do I don't know. I, I don't have any reason for having Windows, really. But so I could play video games <laughs> at some point. Uh, That's then, a reason. Yeah, but then I was like, this is just stupid. So I said I cannibalized all the best parts, and I built a, a Frankensteinian monster mm. of 
just all the best components, which really actually meant my work machine plus my graphics card from home. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, and then all my hard drives, I then like wiped them all and put them all in one machine. So I have like three. All of your actually, hard I have, drives? All of them. I have four what? hard drives in this machine right now. But why do you have so many hard drives? That's just how many I had. I'm not going to let them go to waste. That's how many? But that's that's how many I got. guess if you got some extras, just plug them in. Yeah, just plug them right it's in. It's a rig. It's a rig, man. You got to have as many. It's pretty dry <laughs> as you can. And so as I was doing this, I noticed though that my my home machine, which has been like I have, I, I'm one of those people who's had a had an evolving PC at home, you know, for my entire life since college. Uh, so over time, like parts get swapped and, and every once in a while, like a few years ago was the first time my case got swapped for about a decade, you know? So, but it's just this continuously changing thing. But as I was going through the parts to try to compare to figure out what I was going to keep, I discovered that my, my, uh, my processor was from 2012 was when it's, Whoa. Ooh, was, was when it ass. was released. And I was like, oh shit. Cause that actually, that also meant that like my motherboard was also at least that old. Mm-hmm. And then I looked up some stuff on it, and I was like, "Oh God, this thing is actually a lot more ancient than I thought that it was." Uh, so I went, I went to look up what is the cheapest way I can like get up to the next level of gaming performance. Uh, and so now I'm going to be only about three years out of date on graphics cards, which hey, is a lot better than is, I think seven is what I'm currently at. So much better. I'm very excited. Yeah, right. it's going to be great. You're gonna you're gonna play. Uh, uh, the same Brock things, Galactic, yeah, same things I was playing, like a lot, a lot of low poly indie titles, you know. But yep. man, they're gonna, they're gonna sing. The polys are gonna be popping. Yeah, poly frame rate's gonna go from frame rate's gonna go from ninety to two hundred. Yeah, it'll still be way faster than the refresh rate of my monitor, which I believe is like ten or something. I don't know. I need to get a new monitor too. Now, speaking of refresh rates, I want to talk a little bit about – so Adam and I were chatting before the podcast started about radio, about mm-hmm. – uh, Specifically, I started uh, singing about how radio – about how video killed the radio star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we were like, wait, no, it didn't because podcasts are still popping Radio is still here. Podcasts are here. Mm-hmm. People love listening to music. Uh, and we thought, well, why? And I think it's – I think it's that – you know, there's a certain level of commitment. There's a spectrum of commitment involved with engaging with different kinds of media. You know, if you listen to radio, you just ears. You know, you mm-hmm. can drive, you can go for a walk, you can do the dishes. It's just one sense, right? Now, if you're going to watch TV, all of a sudden, two senses. You got to look at it. You got to listen to it. And right? not only it's that, a, but a, you know how much of your brain is occupied by visual processing? It's like true. the entire like back some. half of your brain is just – so now you, you went from engaging like a little tiny dot because apparently we don't need much to hear. So it's like a little tiny dot to the almost the entirety of your brain mm-hmm. just yeah. by adding one, so one that's a, So that's a big deal, you know? And then we thought, well, you know, this explains a lot. If you think about, if you think about the spectrum of how many senses you need to sort of devote to a thing in order to engage with it – uh, mm. It's that the closer you get to something being VR, the less I think, I think I mean, the closer like it. it gets to just <laughs> the closer it gets just to real life, actually. Right, because right? you got to start you got to start swapping out your your senses and dedicating them to, to stuff, right? So if you're if you're in VR, you know you can't see, you can't hear, you got no proprioception. Mm. Where the fuck are my limbs? I you don't got know. No where real I life left. Space. All you can do yeah, is taste and smell. And so, and even that's going to be under assault because they made that. Did you see that uh, that taste device thing that apparently can like simulate tastes? Did you yeah, see no this thanks. 
Do you put it in your mouth? Yeah, you lick it. You lick, how else do you taste? Yeah, you lick it. You lick it, and apparently it's, it can simulate like anything. I don't need this. No, I don't. Nope. I don't, don't need it. Don't. I also, need laser also, there I don't believe yeah. for a fucking second that it can simulate anything because we can't still even make things like – we can't make a fake strawberries taste, right? Like we can't make any of these things actually. So how can this thing do it? There's no way. Well, maybe it's the difference between like making it chemically versus stimulating it electrically. Maybe it's much easier to just stimulate it at the end. Where of the are, they, are they electrocuting your tongue? I, I mean, they must be doing something to your tongue. <laughs> that, would, that, would only, that would only give you the salty taste, though, because that's the only one that's an electrochemical receptor. So Whatever, Adam. I didn't read the whole paper. You're just going to okay. taste a bunch of salt. It'll be like swimming <laughs> in the ocean. I mean, this yeah, reminds me of people talking you know. talk, about things like smell-o-vision, of being like, someday – Someday it's going to be so immersive. You're going to be able to smell. You're going to be able to like feel the, feel the wind. Yep. I'm like, what? Like imagine imagine a, a fight scene. Like you 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 know Daredevil, right? You're where he's smelling just like, blood and viscera. Yeah, or he, yeah. he's just like he's just like punching his way through like eighty people down a hallway, and he's sweaty and he's tired. People are bleeding. People are throwing up because they got punched. There's, and there's gun gunshots going off. So there's like gunpowder in the air. Yeah, yeah. You don't want like, that. Who, no. I don't want to smell. I don't want to smell. I think somebody else actually very recently saw somebody making the point that if you were to go to almost any video game context, so so we think back and you know people always talking about how like how times were so much simpler and blah blah blah. But if you go back Mm -hmm. to those times, it it smells worse and worse and worse the further you go back, right? Yeah, that's true. Right, at least around people. Around people, yeah, you get into less and less sanitation as well as sanitary behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, but video games, almost exclusively, like the big ones anyway, take place in sort of similar contexts. Like there are all these medieval things, there are all these uh, these uh, survival games, like all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So all these games would also smell terrible if you actually could smell it. So I think we've- there's a reason why people largely stay indoors is because it smells pretty good in here. You know, yeah, it does. There's it's, other reasons in 2020, but uh, it's a good reason to just talk up a list and stay inside. You know. Th- this it's both the smells and the imminent doom. Like those are kind of the things <laughs> that's that what keep keeps us, me inside. Keep us cooped up. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about God of War. Yeah. So Sam. I've been well, you know, I've been playing it. And uh sick. I so there's this weird thing we talked about before is people have asked, like what you know, when you play games after you've been making them for a while, uh, you know, what what's the difference between what it used to be versus what it is now? Now that you've got your your developer eyeballs, right? And uh, God of War has been doing this this interesting thing to me because, one, I don't know how in the fuck that they did most of what they did. Like, I just, I don't, <laughs> I genuinely just don't. And yeah, modern AAA is very impressive. It's a whole other thing. And it's, uh, you know, there's the, there's just acting, like complete acting in there, right? And and the body movements are perfectly mapped to everybody and like, everything's just good. And then... Beyond that, there's, they did this really fascinating thing where the whole game is is built to to actually just have one camera shot. So there's no cuts. And so yeah. – and even that, that's between cutscenes. There's no loading zones. Like you load into the game when you, you know, hit start. But when you're in there, it's just one continuous shot. And I don't – I don't get it. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> like, so there, I, 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 hey, listen. Listen, Sam. 
We did that in Crashlands, so it's not that impressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we loaded. I mean, we loaded between zones and stuff, you know? That's like, true. That's true, but once you were in there, it was just one continuous camera shot. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, cinematic. I guess God of War is way behind. But uh, yeah. they do this thing, and I so I looked it up, and apparently they're basically they're obfuscating, they're obfuscating the loading uh, in a bunch of different clever ways, but I still don't quite understand how it doesn't, like, show up in, in some regard. But for example, you'll be, you'll be running along, you're doing a bunch of stuff, you know, fight stuff. And then, uh, you'll come up to like a crack in the wall and you, you like start scooching through it. And then like basically the, the character gets taken over and sort of just, you know, walking and he and the, and the boy are chatting. Right. And so you're chatting with your son moving through this corridor. And apparently that's when they're like loading the next thing and unloading yeah. what's behind you. Yeah. This is the new thing is to have these like I think actually the first one I remember doing this was uh, – what was that? What was that game where you're just like shooting looters and it's really kind of messed up? What's that one? Oh, uh, the Division. The Division, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Division. Lo- looter Murder Simulator I think is the yes. alternative mm-hmm. name for that game. Um, but in that one, that was the first time I actually noticed in a game. And, and granted, I don't play a lot of AAA games, so maybe it had been around before that. But but they did the same thing where you would you would go in between. There's like a base thing where you could like do your loadouts and stuff, you know. And you would go in, and it was sort of like how in in a, in airport bathrooms where they're they're set up in just the right way so that as you walk through, it's like it's just an open hallway. But you walk through it, mm-hmm. and there's a moment where you can't see anything behind you or in front of you if you were to like turn in a circle, right? Mm-hmm. And they had a setup like this where you could like go in there, and it feels like you're walking into just through an open space into a new space. But there's just a moment that that actually separates these two places, so that they can basically despawn one place and spawn the other one, and and that's how they manage that loading, so it could feel like a, a smooth Wild. transition. It's very cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, but it's been tons of fun. So uh, I'm actually sure my but, recommendations a little late, but it's a good game. It is a little. It is a little <laughs> late. Uh, but but on that note, there's of things that people can be angry about because this is this this Ooh, yeah. thing is also a thing that people can be angry about. Which wait, I not was having loading screens. Yeah, but but by hiding it by having the character like go through like a gap or something, right? There was so when when the PS5, I'm pretty sure it was when the PS5 was like they did their big announcement and they were showcasing some of the games were going to come out. And one of the things they were showcasing was that there's no loading times because it's it's an SSD and you know all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So they're very pumped. Like the big thing that in this console generation is using SSDs and having shorter no loading times, right? And so they were showcasing like this cool gameplay, and I think it was like a Tomb Raider games. So I don't remember what it was, but. But but people were really upset afterwards because they were like, well, there still is loading. You're just hiding it by having the character go through like a gap, right, or whatever, right? Right. And so people were really angry yes. about about this, you I guess. You want there to not be loading? You want like, there to, <laughs> it, was, it was just really – I remember I was reading about this, reading the, the anger that people had about this. And, the, and then Sony had to like come out – whoever it was had to come out and say, no, no, no. Actually, like this was just a bad example of a thing. Uh, that we could have shown because there really is no loading even in other contexts and, and what they had to like they had to then come out and make a statement about it was just so absurd. It's a weird framing thing because like they're, of course they're, they're how would you get a thing without loading it's it? Gotta go it has to be loaded. It's more about load mm-hmm. times, right? It's just it's faster now, so that's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. People can be mad about things. Hey, <laughs> it's amazing what people can be mad about. <laughs> Let's speaking of mad creatures. Oh yes. Let's talk that's about a, cats. That's a good segue. But we need a we need an update. So about so cat, yeah, I talked cat about game. last week how we're, we're trying game. to do the we're trying we're trying to do <laughs> the lady swallowed a fly uh, thing, right? We're gonna we got two cats that don't get along. Get a third cat. Problem solved. That's that's the that's nope, the plan. Yep. Uh, so we went through a local adoption uh, agency, a cat adoption agency specifically, 
Um, we're not gonna, we're not getting a child to handle this. <laughs> That's getting, another way to solve the problem. <laughs> that is another know? strategy. Uh, and so it's pricier, but yeah. so we had these, we had these two just cute fucking kittens, like so cute. It makes your, mm. makes your face hurt, you know, and, uh, had to choose between mm. them. Chose the one that was the floppiest. Cause that's my favorite cat trait where you just yep. like, you just pick them up and they go limp, you know, and they're just like, and they go to sleep and that's just their life now. And they love it. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. I'm very excited about this cat. Uh, and so we did all the paperwork, signed everything away. We are now legally the owners of a brand new kitten, but we have not taken possession yet. But in the contract, I was very amused because they kind of walked through it with us, and they're like, "In case they're like, in case of loss or theft." And what they're saying, I was like, "I was like theft." Like it just felt so weird. <laughs> it just <laughs> felt so yeah. It's like that's kidnapping. That's not that's not theft. That's a that's a different. It feels like it's a different thing. But it's just just that reminder that like that pets are are just like physical possessions, like other things are. Um, you know, <laughs> legally, it was just it's just so weird. It was such a it's such a such sort of striking oh, contrast between. I was just shocked that it, it existed at all because I mean, I'm like, I mean, that is also a cat. People steal dogs, I know, pretty with some frequency. I mean, I can see dogs because yeah. they're great, but you know, cats. I mean, come so on. This, uh, so, Sampada <laughs> and I had a conversation. <laughs> we had a conversation today about about we're we're kind of like trying to get our home gym set up because you know pandemic. Um, we'll be indoors for quite a while, so we got to be able to Speaking exercise. Of, I weigh less than I have weighed in a very long time because I've not been able to gym. So I am my my muscles have melted away. I'm but a stick of a man. Well, which you're not celebrating because you want that muscle weight. I wanted it, yeah. but you know, whatever's yeah. fine. But you're not really using your body right now anyway, so you don't need muscles. Now, running you know, is that, way uh, more fun, I will say. Weighing like 10 pounds less running is Yeah, amazing. and if anything, the more body you have, the more surface area you have for attack by coronavirus. You know what I mean? Also by so murder hornets. True. You know? And murder hornets. Yeah, I'm just lowering my surface area. Present a small area. target. Yeah. <laughs> Present a small surface area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2020, the year of having small surface area to minimize yep. your chances yeah. of being killed by a murder hornet. Absolutely. Yep. Anyway, sorry, Seth. Uh, yeah, so we were talking about getting our home gym set up, and and part of it involves like getting our equipment into one area, so instead of having some things in one room in the house and some things in the other room. Problem is, we got this rowing machine. We got a secondhand rowing machine that we picked up quite a while ago, and uh, it's the most. It's even though we got it secondhand, it's still the most expensive piece of equipment we have because it's a it's a machine. It's not just like a bar right, right. or something, right? And so we were talking about whether to put this rowing machine up with the rest of the equipment because we have this problem, which is that our door to the to that room goes to that goes to the outside doesn't actually fully close. <laughs> oh shit. Like we're in the we're in the process of replacing this door, but we can't we can't lock it. Right? So I was so we were talking about it. And I was like, you know, if somebody steals this rowing machine, I'm mostly just impressed because <laughs> yeah, those things are heavy. Because a, it's a weird heavy object. It's it's heavy. It's like six and a half feet long. Uh, you would need like two people to to carry it out at least. You would need to maneuver it through various doors and holes. I'm like, you know. Okay. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those. You know, it's a Thor's You've proven yourself yeah, worthy, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you just deserve it at that point. Uh, when we were, when we were living in Dallas in our, in our little tiny, our tiny, tiny condo, we made the decision to sacrifice some of our, you know, very limited space to a, uh, what's not, not the, not the bike, it's like the stationary, not the bike thing, but the, 
the what is elliptical it? elliptical that's the thing so we got oh. we got an elliptical did the whole deal and like and getting that up the stairs because we lived on the our, our oh, condo no. was on the third floor <laughs> and then also had a second floor in it and then we needed to move it to the second floor uh, oh, so so we had to haul this thing up and then like build it and all this stuff. And of course, it's a lot easier when it's in pieces because then there's like there's the heavy wheel piece and everything else mm-hmm. is not too bad. But then it was all assembled and we needed to you know get rid of it when we moved after having used it maybe two dozen times, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so we just had this stupid heavy big ass thing just in our in our space the whole time, and then finally had to leave. And it was like it was it was the thing that caused me the most dread out of anything in the whole. Moving process was yep. like getting rid of this fucking heavy thing, um, and I remember I had to I had to then haul it back down the stairs to you know give it to somebody who we sold it to on Craigslist and and whole time you're thinking unpleasant. if only someone if only someone if had only stolen someone it. had just stolen yeah. it <laughs> wouldn't have been my problem would have been now it's their problem now they have to move an elliptical where there's the thieves when you need them you know yep. Yeah, they're always stealing on. the things you don't want them to steal. They always yeah. show up at the worst time. Uh, all right, let's talk about some studio news for starters. Levelhead it has passed cert on all platforms. Mm-hmm. The, the the new patch one point eighteen, the void or whatever it is we're calling it, probably the void. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got to get it out now. Yeah, it's not. We we got to market it though, so we can't just like just because it's through cert doesn't mean we can just suddenly blast it out into the. Into the ether. Right. We got to yeah. let people so, know so we could actually, you know, take advantage of the fact that we did a bunch spent of work. A, spent a month building mm-hmm. things. Um, yeah. So, I mean, but we're on the cusp now. So be ready. Yep. And what that process looks like players. for us is basically we'll be, uh, we'll be contacting the platforms first to say, hey, we got this update. We want to put it out sometime in the next four weeks. When we're thinking around here, is this good? Good enough for you? Uh, and can you give us any featuring? That's usually what happens. And then we, and they'll be like maybe, and we can't say. Yep. yep. And then we're like, this sounds perfect. Thank you. And then, <laughs> That's the best we can get. Got my hopes up. And then, uh, and then we basically get all the the press materials prepped, uh, and then get the basically mail merging and things like that prepped, so that then on the launch day itself, we just hit a button and then hit all the buttons to to turn the thing on, and then we walk away. You know, go back to whatever we were doing before. That's it. Yep. yep. Just stare, staring blankly off into space, mm-hmm. which is what we do most of the day. Yep. Uh, we are also in the midst of our tech debt shenanigan burn, mm, which, yes. which is which we you were have now renamed. Down. Yeah, I forgot what the last name was, and I didn't scroll down far enough in the podcast document to see it. Scroll, it's, it's a far whole, scroll, man. You don't it's whole inches down there. <laughs> Wait, what did we? What did we call it last time? We called it the rodeo circus uh, or something. The uh, Tech Debt Burndown Rodeo Circus. There you go. Yeah. So it's coming along great. Uh, Crashlands is legit like hours away, single-digit hours away from having Rumpus integrated, using Rumpus for cloud saving. Uh, I've gotten to rebuild some of the interfaces as well, like the settings page. It's all very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, when you so see hours, is this hours to uh- – initial feature completion so that it still yes. needs to be tested and may need a whole bunch of bug fixes and the stuff. Testing or, is going to be a, uh, it's a, a new thing. Yeah. Yep. Phase one is just get it made. Uh, phase two is make, make sure it's good. Okay. But it <laughs> so, is con It's a content complete. Uh, yep. Set. Nice. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's uh, come along quite, quite quickly, actually, all things considered. Um, and then once that's done, then it's, on to the others. So then we're talking Quadrupus Rampage, Flop Rocket, um, 
all, all the old games. Yeah, and for those, we have date. an additional layer of problems, which is that they all have in-app purchases. So we have to figure out yeah, how to app. do that. Thankfully, they don't have ads anymore. We, we've we moved on from that mm-hmm. from that life. Yep. Um, for so, now. So, you know, yeah. So we'll be getting those things done. Um, and it's the, the kind of cool thing about it is e- each of these games was built using, you know, many of the same kinds of uh, design schemas and stuff like that. And so each each game we do this for makes the next one faster and easier to get everything integrated into. So by the time we get to like Roid Rage or something, it's going to be like one afternoon. afternoon. Mm-hmm. Boom, yep. boom, boom, boom. There's almost really nothing true. going on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, relatively speaking, there's almost nothing going on in that game. You know? Yeah. So so it's going to be pretty good. And, I, and I'm, I'm excited to just kind of be able to – pull those games forward. Cause we, we've had a number of things like people come in to the discord and they're like, Hey, I'm playing flap rocket on like the new iPad. And notice that there's these weird dumb black bars on the side. Cause it hasn't been like brought up to date with the new iOS. Mm-hmm. Is that going to, is that going to be happening? And now we can say actually, yes. Actually, we'll just say anything at be- all. We'll just be like, it's already done. You're yep. not even in here asking this question. Fool. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, and also, at this point, all of the Bscotch ID data is in Rumpus. Yep. All the stuff that has to do with progress in games that we are going to carry over to Rumpus, because we're not taking all of it. We're going to, like so many sandbags, yep. like on, like on uh-huh. hot air balloons or whatever, you know, those, those things, like I'm so many hot air balloon sandbags, uh, we're going to uh-huh. leave those yep. behind so we can go ballooning off into the sunset. Uncontrollably. Uncontrollably, Uncontrollably ideally. Yes. And then, because and then now we don't free fall. Now we, yeah. Because now we don't have any sandbags anymore. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, so far, so good. And we'll just kind of be, It's it's been kind of interesting because it's been such a, like a zoned in uh, development. Like we're pretty siloed right now. And we're just kind of like grinding away at this. Because we, we have a very, this is one of those few times where we have a very specifically defined scope of work. Yeah, it's very clear what to do also. Right. Yeah. So probably many of our uh, community members may have noticed that like I haven't really been in the Discord for like two weeks. I've maybe posted like four messages in there because mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just completely zoned in with my music blasting, just programming as fast as I can for your music blasting your laser tower firing off in the background. It's a good, it's a good yeah. look. Um, so and not only that, but like you know, going into into the. Uh, the Discord, of course, everybody's talking about level head or talking about like crash lands and stuff and and talking about features they want or whatever. And I'm I'm just I can't, I can't. Like I'm not in that mental state right now because yeah. all, all I can do right now is put rumpus in crash lands. That's the only <laughs> thing the only thing I can do. And so as much as I would love to hear about the new features people want and whatever, I I can't I don't have the mental bandwidth. Mm-hmm. So um and then kind of last thing for studio news. Quarterly review. It's been yeah. another quarter. We did it. We did it. Just before this podcast, in fact. Yeah. It feels and like just uh, yesterday was the last one. It really does, mm-hmm. honestly, which is, I think, partially because of the pandemic, but uh, in that, like, things don't change too much day to day anymore uh, or month to month even. Um, yep. But then but then beyond that, I think uh, also because of our updated production processes. So, so the, the big thing that we did uh, – this quarter from a production standpoint was we switched from Trello to Monday. Uh, 
got all of our stuff reintegrated. And that, that happened basically the week or two after uh, Level Heads launch. Yep. And and that's had a very uh, I think sort of an outsized impact on uh, on all of our production stuff as well as the whole going remote situation. Um, and so what we the first thing we did actually before we did the review the quarterly review today was we actually reviewed the review because the last one took a long time. As we talked about in the last podcast, it was like a two-day event. Two days. <laughs> we covered so much material. It was insane. I um, was so tired. I actually, it actually blew me up for like two more days. Yeah. Like I was just Seth a, was a noodle. noodle. And like, yeah. yeah, it was, I mean, like all of us were, were noodleified from that. It was just, it was a lot. Um, and so we just asked the question, can we make this go faster? Uh, or, you know, but still be good. You don't want to, you don't want to just go fast for the sake of being fast. You still need to be thorough, right? Um, and so conveniently, I just read this book on workshopping yesterday after work for some reason. It's one of the, one of the perks of just picking up random shit on the internet. And, uh, <laughs> because of that, I like to basically point out like a couple of the methods that they use. And so I was like, okay, let's just try, let's try doing it more in this sort of workshoppy way. Um, so we did that, ended up doing it in about two and a half hours today. Uh, instead of two days, instead of two days. But I think there's a there's a bigger there's a bigger but in the room here. Oh, which is that, <laughs> which is that, it seems that our production change to do these daily morning accelerators, as we call them, which is sort of like a morning one on one, has made it so that we're actually basically small batching what previously we would sort of store up over the course of three months and then find out about uh, or start uncovering uh, during a, uh, during a quarterly review. So instead of, you know, people running into problems or, or noticing issues and then uh, those coming up weeks later in a big pile, it's just literally like day by day, we're actually tackling a bunch of the, the issues that everyone's having. And so it had this really interesting effect, which is we were going through our process stuff, our waste analysis and, Kind of hard to come up with stuff. There wasn't yeah. much in there because we're, like, we're already doing that all the time. Yeah, but also our, 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 we have our employees do a, sort of a personal quarterly review um, where they got to go through their own waste analysis and all that stuff. And for the all the past ones have included a whole bunch of of you know outstanding issues and things that are like bugging people and making the work hard to do or slow or whatever, uh, as well as sort of just different categories that had the vibe of like oh this is like kind of a bummer you know to deal with this in the mm-hmm. studio. And this time. Every almost every problem that was presented already had a solution that either had been implemented or was in the process of being implemented, and there was a general just sort of a much more just, positive. It slant. was just peaceful, you know. There was there was a lot less of that. Yeah, a lot less of the whole oh god. Kind of so thing. so <laughs> yeah. if you are if you're uh, uh if you're in a business whatever and you want to know like what is this thing this morning accelerator thing how does this work mm-hmm. it's pretty straightforward which is. Uh, every morning, we you know we do our morning stand up. So we come in, we just kind of say hello, uh, and then we we pair off. So the way we pair off is is what we would say like uh, would be people with their direct reports. So whoever's kind of closest to them in terms of their projects that they're working on, but who can serve in sort of like a mentor or, or guidance role. Um, so we pair off, and then in those pairs, we just talk through. Uh, we review the work from the day before. Talk about what's coming today, anything to be aware of, plan out uh, meetings, and make sure that that people know what they're going to be working on and, and that they're on track. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing takes 
10. 15 to 20, 20 minutes at most. Um, and then we all go through our day. So yeah, instead of thinking of it, it as a sort of a micromanagement thing, we're basically saying, sitting down and being like, okay, let's here are the tasks, right? Instead, it's more, much more about collaboratively reviewing based on what we just on Monday for our normal you know, production meeting decided are the goals of the studio for, for the week. Um, just reviewing what we're up to and just being able to collaboratively ask questions like, why did this take longer than you thought it was going to? Like, what, what did you learn? But with the, with the difference there, right? Uh, is there any work that isn't being captured here that like that you did that isn't documented anywhere that we need to also talk about? Um, but it's also kind of it's stuff. also bi uh, it's also bi directional. So, you know, it it creates the space for um, for people to ask questions. Yeah. Of like, oh yeah, I got hung up on this thing, and I wasn't sure if I should do this or that. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then and then they now have. Uh, much more immediate feedback on those things and, and a license to go ahead with something, yeah. right? So, but I think importantly, so the, though, the the huge value that we've gotten out of this. So, the the end all effect of this has been one that this was mentioned in everybody's quarterly review as a thing that everyone's like, "Yes, I love the morning accelerators. It's amazing, right?" Um, which is probably the most uh, the most sort of it's meeting the people like, Yeah, we've gotten from people uh, in terms of like a management shift. Uh, from it being good. Uh, but then on top of that, the the reality is that while it's a simple thing in terms of the format, it's the end of all of our production pipe. And what I mean by that is, is you cannot do this if the work isn't visible. Uh, yep. You cannot do it yeah. if work has already been assigned to people, if work has not already been assigned to people during the week. Um, and this is, that's actually what we did essentially previously during the one-on-ones, uh, you know, from years ago is we would, we had one-on-ones, we do them every week. Uh, they definitely didn't have the same level of like of uh, collaboration of 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 really accelerating people's work and giving them a lot of clarity because there was no clarity to op- to like edit to operate on right <laughs> um, and so it's been it was fascinating uh, and they've also reduced our, our production meetings used to take anywhere between two and three hours every Monday now they're literally an hour uh, the last couple have been an hour. Well, this uh, all—I mean, this all comes, you know, sort of philosophically from the idea that we that we've always known, we've like debated constantly internally, trying to figure out what to do mm-hmm. about. Probably talked about the podcast a bunch too. Is the idea that you can't meaningfully plan work? You can plan work if it's of a known type that you've done so much before that it's basically an automated process, right? You can plan that kind of work because you know how long it's going to take and so on. But if you're doing work where every like, so if you're a programmer, right? Um, if you're writing something you've already written before, that doesn't make any sense, right? So uh, mm-hmm. so everything that you do is new. It's a new thing that you've done. If you're an artist, same deal. You're making a new piece of art. You haven't made that art before by definition, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you may be able to kind of spitball and like, give a really rough estimate of how long it's going to take, but you don't really some, know. Some days it's just flowing. Some days it's still Who hard, knows, right? right? And then on top of that, though, if you're, if you're a living, breathing business and you have external things happening as well, and if you're on a small team, so within the team, the people who are not you, right, also are creating different needs and requirements on you at all, all the time. Then you, you put all that stuff together, and it, and it just means that work is not planable. Just period. Yeah, you can't. Uh, you so, can't super confidently say like, you. You can basically confidently plan the next like uh, half a day, like literally the next four hours. But then beyond <laughs> that, it's like beyond that. Like if you, if you try to say like I'm definitely going to be doing this particular thing on Friday, like uh, I mean, good luck. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's right? no way to know. So, so we've had this just <laughs> this chance. constant conflict, right? Where where we were like maybe we just need to have more production meetings, right? Like get everybody together and then like just go through the process more frequently. 
And what we finally settled on with this new format was we said, no, like what should ha- what should be happening for the for the large scale meetings every Monday is we are reestablishing what we think the studio's priorities are. Right. Mm-hmm. Like what are we as a team trying to accomplish this week to satisfy whatever our long term goals are, right? And and now we know what everybody on the team's priorities are because they have roles that live within that ecosystem. So we all agree on that up front, right? And then that means the argument about those things is basically the that's the bulk of that. Yeah, that's where the time goes. Yeah, it's like it's figuring out just and what's the new work that has appeared? Does this fit in? Can we punt this until later? You know that kind of stuff, right? Uh, And once you get past all of that, which doesn't take as much time now, then now it's the daily just one-on-one stuff where you figure out what's the specifics, like what actually has to happen. Mm-hmm. What's the most important right now, right? And that's where now you can ha- take the time to work with just some other person to figure out all the details and then keep track of how things are going and and actually s- now operate in both a sort of a structured uh, leading role where you're, you know, if you're coming from our side of it with an employee, like figuring out what should even be happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also being able to get immediate feedback where you can identify problems as they come or and your direct report can feed you a problem immediately without feeling like they need to wait until next Monday or whatever. Right. So, so this was finally, this was like, this was the thing that we were trying to figure out how to do for, for years, literally, but in particular for the past couple of years of trying to convert the system of these, of these production meetings, where we're trying to predict what we're trying to plan, what we're going to do, mm-hmm. but we could never plan it because by the time we got to the end of whatever the planned timeline was, things were so fucking off the rails, no matter what we did, right? They were just so <laughs> off the rails. And so the, the idea of this is that we just, we just accept the fact that we are, we, there are no rails. There are no rails to be on, right? We have like a, there's a, there's a little light over there that we're trying to get to, right? And even that is constantly moving, but it's not moving nearly as fast as the, as like we're putting down railroad tracks, right? Mm-hmm. And so just accepting that fact and trying to build a system around that, which is I think what this is doing, um, was the, the final piece this, of the puzzle. Yeah, this gives us the constant, continuous series of tiny adjustments. Yes. Um, and I will say, so we've we've done stand-ups before. Uh, I have come to think that stand-ups, like one-on-ones generally, are actually bullshit. Yeah, the reason I say that <laughs> is because... Uh, because when you think about like what's what's the purpose of a stand up, I think I think they're useful as a ritual to start your day. I will agree there that like it's it's yep. cool like go around totally. say what you're doing right. I think that's great, fantastic. But the if you if you believe that a stand up is doing the job of allowing your team to notice problems, collaborate, and make sure priorities are on track, like if you believe that somehow that's happening in there, uh, I. I just have severe doubts that that is actually possible, <laughs> but I would be happy to hear a rebuttal about how that actually works. Because from what I've seen from uh, people we've talked to, as well as, uh, of course, looking at how standups work, where people go around, do the whole, like, here's what I'm doing today. Um, I, I don't see how they could actually effectively do that sort of really intense clarity of, of, of work and stuff. And maybe it's not necessary at certain levels, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it'd be doing it. What you need to, yeah, what you need is a, a morning sit down. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know sit down with, with, with somebody who, who can help you with your issues mm-hmm. uh, uh, or vice versa and who you can help with their issues and figure stuff out and then go. So it's been super good. Um, good feedback all around on it. And, and like we were saying earlier, because we've been doing these, these, uh, daily accelerators, then by the time we got to our quarterly review, what used to take two days to sift through, now it took two hours because we've actually been addressing problems as they happen instead of two and a half months later. Mm-hmm. So 
very good. All right. So I think that's everything studio news. So let's get on to some questions. Let's go. All right, these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest upvoted question comes from Beaky Bapa Boop, who says, How much swoop would a swoop a doop doop if a swoop a doop could swoop doop? Seven? Sure. Seven's a, seven's a pretty good guess. What's the actual answer for the woodchuck rhyme? Uh, is there, there is an I answer. I think it's, uh, it's like another think- rhyming. I don't think this is a measure. This is a measurement problem, right? Because if you say how much, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck? What is how much wood? What does that even mean? Okay, so here's what I got. Uh, Should a woodchuck be so inclined? Apparently, he could chuck about seven hundred pounds of wood. Uh, so just what I got on Google just now. In what time frame? So and we'll just make this metaphorical for the swoop a doop as well. Because I would bet seven hundred seems sufficient. I would bet that a woodchuck could not chuck a 700-pound piece of wood. I don't see why not, because this whole, hypo- this whole hypothetical is if a woodchuck could chuck wood, because it can't. So if it could, it can use whatever magical powers we want to pos- make it possess. Mm-hmm. Right. And therefore, there's, there's it can, right it can now. now consume any conceivable amount of wood that you can even imagine is the actual answer. The reason it can't chuck wood is because is because. If the universe were to allow that to happen, there would be no wood. All bets are off. Okay, this is the end of days. There's a really important spiritual and mythological reason as to why this can't happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, can't allow it. So, so if yeah, like you said, if a woodchuck could chuck wood, we would all be doomed. Yeah, but yep. thankfully that's not the case. Consider yourself Same lucky. Th- so, I mean, obviously, swoop a dupes uh, can swoop dupe. That's their whole thing. So they can swoop as much dupe as they want to, yep. frankly. Mm-hmm. All right, next question comes from Dr. Hayes. How does Rumpus generate such great names? What's the algorithm? <laughs> uh, right, so so we have – we just so – I think Seth compiled the original list and then I went through it and like and added some stuff to it. Um, so this this came from I, – I was making a game on stream called Space Bump. Yeah. And I needed, I needed names for my space stations. So I came up with an algorithm to generate uh, kind of goofy, dumb, alien-sounding names. But it's just, it's just a list of prefixes and a list of suffixes, right? It's legit just prefixes and suffixes. And then with some um, rules about like if if you have like too many of certain letters in a row, we just strip some out and like that. It's like so there's a little bit of, yep. a little bit of ruling on top, but it's mostly just a random weird list of prefixes, random weird list of suffixes, and we just randomly then and pick some two. cleanup. And some cleanup. And yep. that's it. And and then also with some particular care in the choice of those things to avoid stuff that mm-hmm. would be offensive or or overly negative and so on. Um, cause yeah. it is very, if you're, if you're going to make random words, it is very easy to make words. <laughs> that you not have made. Yep. Uh, yep. So that was actually the main, for a while though, I don't know if you guys remember for a while we were using, um, an animal naming system, right? So it'd be like, we would take oh, an yeah. adjective and then, a, and then an animal. So I, I had downloaded this list of like, my, it was a huge number. It was like 600 animals or something like that. And then another list of, uh, adjectives. And then we just randomly stick those together. And so that was, what, that was what we started with before we actually uh, deployed it. Actually, actually, the early deployment, I think, had it. And uh, and then we discovered, and then we learned a bunch of that stuff. Because, so I went through this list very carefully, and I was like, I was deleting things that, 
Because like deleting like you know fat out of the adjective list, mm-hmm. and then like yep. certain animals like pig that I know are associated with negative things. It's like so I did that like to the best of my ability, and then of course the first thing what happened was was a, a French player got the word pigeon, which apparently in French is is very insulting as a thing to call somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we were like, okay, so this is actually animals is a lot less. <laughs> This is impossible. It's a lot less sort of culturally uh, easy agnostic. to agnostic mm-hmm. than, than you might think, um, and uh, and so then we went from there to see the random, the totally random name generator. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of it's kind of remarkable, right? Because like horse, majestic, strong, powerful, fast, all kinds of positive traits. It's also got, it's all got big teeth and a big head. Horses, exactly. So so if somebody calls you a horse. That could go a lot of different directions, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you could be a workhorse, or you could look like a horse. Yep. But Basically, horses look awesome. So, yeah. But also, it could be bad. If a thing is real, <laughs> it can be an insult. Also, if it's imaginary and has a shared definition, it can be an insult. But if it is completely invented and nobody has heard of it before, it cannot be an insult yet. And so yep. <laughs> that is our that was our strategy with the random name system. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and this was. We we run into this problem far more often than than I would like. Well, I'd like to never run into this problem, yes. frankly. Yes. People are really, really good at turning harmless things into verbal weapons. Uh because Or even we, just gross things, you know? Yeah. Man, there was what was it? We were working on uh on whippersnappers. On dang whippersnappers. A long time ago. Yeah. Did we ever yeah, did we yeah, ever talk we, about that as a thing we were doing? Did that I don't know. It was it was it was a game we were, we were working on, and we were trying to come up like we we wanted to base some of the names of the creatures off of like older sort of colloquial terms for just whatever, just like goofy words. So we found these lists of words from like the nineteen twenties, thirties, forties that were like common, just common mm-hmm. phrases or whatever. And almost all of them, almost all of them, turned out to have some kind of horrifying. Terrible backstory yep. about what the, how they were used to refer to groups of people. It was always a toss up between being sexist, racist, or homophobic. Like you know, yeah, or somehow all of those. Or somehow things. all of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, and and they would be they would be words that like on the face of it, if you hear the word, you're like, that's that's a dumb, goofy sounding word, right? Like it's just so bouncy and silly. But no, it's terrible. Yeah. It would make Satan's skin crawl. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's just that times have moved yeah. on and everybody forgot about it. And so you're yeah. like, mm, I can't. I don't know if we could use that. That's not really. Not yeah. So you got to just make up uh, a, like sort of total incoherent gibberish sounds. Yeah. We also have this problem even just with portmanteaus though. Because like, our core sort of strategy for naming things outside of fully random is by just jamming two other things together. And then, you know, that's the, that's the thing now. Mm-hmm. But it is r- remarkably easy to – in particular, because once we have it like written down and know what it is, it's usually pretty unlikely that we were going to run into trouble that way. But while we're spitballing stuff and just start jamming words together kind of randomly, yes. and we just every once in a while we accidentally hit some combo of consonants, we're like, "Oh God, we're going to back, <laughs> back away from that. Back up, yeah. back away from that. <laughs> yeah, words, man. So words are words are hard, but you know, it's all it's all about intent, you know." Just be try to be good with them. Mm-hmm. My God. All right. Next question. Butterscotch Atheist asks, you talk about your iterative design philosophy often and how plans are for suckers. How does that design philosophy hold up when making a sequel to a well-defined game? Mm. 
We should just not good. Yeah, we should maybe just uh, <laughs> maybe revisit this idea in the first place because you got to. I think you got to think about the the context here, which is that uh, when the studio was founded, as well in terms of how much time we had to build things, uh, we did not have time to build things. So it's true that like taking a lot of time to plan uh, a game that you only had three months to build, anyways. Not necessarily a smart move. Well, but also um, uh, having not built that many games, um, then planning is this is the same idea as we were talking about earlier with planning work, right? If like if you've never built a game before, how the fuck could you plan a game that you're going to build? You're, right? just, you're just making stuff. You just got to get started. Yeah. So that was very much the philosophy in the early days, and then of course uh, with the original Crashlands, actually, we ran into the same problem for a different reason entirely, which was the fact that that there was this cancer diagnosis just chilling there. And so it wasn't about well, – it was the same thing, which was like, uh, we'll plan just enough for the next like couple of days because we don't know how this rodeo is going to shape up at the other day. And Because mm-hmm. we could have spent six months on pre-production with a stage four – B cancer diagnosis, but that would but be that wouldn't, made a, <laughs> wouldn't made a whole lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, yeah. So there's this combination of things that basically I think in the, in the early days for how the studio was founded and our sort of early shaping of of ourselves in the video game context made it so that that this idea of planning, this idea of pre production, just sounded genuinely uh, either dumb or luxurious in the sense that like, well, well, yeah, you could do that if you have an infinite budget uh, or. Well, yeah, you could do that if your team's not dying. Yeah. But given that that's yeah. not, but I think it also was situation. No, yeah, those are, yeah, they're not the situation now. But I think it's it's also not just that because those are sufficient reasons for you to then design chaotically, right? Um, but the other thing is that uh, that we hadn't established actual production processes, right? Like we we didn't have Correct. any automated systems, we didn't have any tools, we didn't have any we didn't have any of the things that you can use to actually like really accelerate. Uh, where, but but those things have opinions, right? You can't make a tool that can do anything. That's not a that's not a concept, mm-hmm. right? You make a tool that does a specific thing that you know about, that you that you then design it to do that. And so, as as your production process, you know, much matures and becomes more reliant on automated systems and tools and pipelines and stuff, uh, the the sort of that, that's that's sort of the solidification of like the knowledge and expertise of like how to do things that you've built up. And so when you're doing things chaotically, you actually don't get to do that. You don't, you don't get to make tools if you don't know what mm-hmm. is going into the game. Right? You don't get to do all of this stuff. And so our learning just how important all of this stuff is over time – and we always said it was important, but it's a, it's a different thing to like say it and another one to like deeply you know, feel the practice impact it. of it right? mm-hmm. and practice it. And so as we've discovered just how valuable it is to, to build tooling around everything, around everything that we're doing – um, that's actually made it just less and less possible to use a design by chaos strategy because everything that we do now really needs to have keyway and it really needs to have tools uh, that build it up. Mm-hmm. And that means now we have to be able to design external dependencies and you can't do that if you don't know what the hell you're building. So yeah, I think it again goes back to that. We do what we must because we can kind of a thing, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Which is at the beginning, we we couldn't. We, did, we couldn't afford to. We didn't know how to. Um, and we had these severe time limits that made it so that the only really viable strategy was to was to just run ahead and just hope for the best and, and design as we went. Um, but we're now actually in kind of exactly the opposite position, which is the most viable strategy is actually do, to do what we're doing right now, which is spend literal months 
clearing tech debt, building tools, learning new systems, exploring new new options for building art and making new art pipelines. Uh, like spend literal months doing all of that um, while shaping up what we think the game is going to look like and building tools around that so that we can then just start building it and just blaze ahead at, at lightning speed. Yeah, so, I think a good way to think about it is yeah. that, uh, pre-production, the whole point of planning and pre-production, uh, it's about answering questions. And there's a difference between like if, if you're starting out and you don't know what their questions are, you cannot do pre-production. Yeah. It's not possible, right? Yeah, designing a game uh, from scratch using pre-production, like I don't know. We don't know how to do that still. Yeah. But I mean like, if you if you were to uh, – like, if, but if also if you hadn't built a game before ever. I mean like I yeah. think that's I – th- I feel like if, if we just wanted to like go design some something new now, I feel like uh, with the pre-production tools – that we're slowly developing over like literally over the course of the last two months or so that I, I do feel like we have a handle on it because uh, like Adam, like you were saying, we actually have these, this understanding of the constraints involved for the system and it's how you answer questions uh, around those constraints and around the business or whatever else that end up being the point of all that, all that planning effort. Um, so I think basically over the course of, you know, which I'm glad, frankly, over the course of eight years, uh, I feel like we actually do know what the questions are to you know to a to a degree with a large number of, of different systems to with business with whatever else uh being able to answer them effectively is the other thing of course uh which is where collaboration and everything else comes in but i guess the, the long and the short of it is that i i don't think that planning is for suckers anymore i think that uh planning is for people who who have the have the ability to who have the questions in hand that they can ask uh and know what yeah. the questions are and sometimes you're not Plan, that person. Planning is uh, for people with experience. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <Maybe. yeah. laughs> Honestly, you, you need to be able to make predictions and, and actually understand the consequences of a decision that you make upstream. Because yeah, yes. I think as 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 Seth can attest back when he was designing games before he'd made any, and as any as anybody who went through like school to become a game designer or did it as a hobby or whatever, and then finally like ended up on a team making games, as any of those people would know, uh, the your idea of what it means to make a game um, when you haven't done it uh, is is hilariously under-informed, right? Um, and you're going to be focusing on all the wrong stuff, just all of it. Um, because the thing that matters the most is can you quickly, within a budget, make a thing you can sell to people, right? That's mm. that's the thing that actually matters. And it, and it doesn't really matter uh, what the game is itself, which seems like that's the most important thing, right? <laughs> when, you're, when you're first starting to do it. Um, so yeah, I think it's a it's a big transition, and I think I think still making small stuff. I think you can you can and maybe should even get away with chaotic design. Um, but I think the the bigger a thing gets, and the more of a business purpose it has, I think that becomes less possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the and the more capacity you have to actually create useful plans yes. and execute them. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I do think there's a so. there's a role of uh, and Seth and I were talking about this earlier, but there's there's got to be a role in. Uh, the whole ADHD foundation, frankly, uh, yep. of the studio uh, in terms of our, our ability to plan. I know Adam's, Adam is like basically the only one who, and I think we remarked on this probably in the podcast years ago when Adam came on the scene because he was like, you guys need to like chill the fuck out. Like mm-hmm. do some planning, you know? Just think Slow about down. it. Slow and down. Slow down. I both just like screaming. We're like, ah, no, you know, I got I to gotta keep on going. Um, and there's a, there's a certain – there's a certain clarity that you get from, of course, just like being from from just going, from just doing action constantly. Um, it's a certain kind of work, and I think 
doing some planning and that sort of thing, at least uh, for me, has been, frankly, has been much easier since I got my diagnosis uh, back in February for ADHD and then have gotten on meds for it. So are those related? Who knows? Is it the fact that we know that Crashlands 2 uh, is a sequel to a game that we've already built? Probably. But I feel like the overall architecture of the of the design stuff that I'm putting together is far more complicated than anything I've done before in terms of uh, of planning. So, yeah, it does help you, a lot. You have the ability to yeah, have the ability. focus on it, right? But it, so that there, there's that. But I think like it can't be understated just how important it is that we're that it is a sequel, as the question sort of implies, yeah. right? Like the the fact that we actually even know what questions we're asking because the questions we have are like that's basically what it is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's do we do we want to have the same system? So what are the systems? Um, do we want to have the same things? Do they need to be changed in some way? Are there, is there stuff that's missing that we want to add, right? What were the best things about this that we want to recapture? Mm-hmm. What were the worst things we want to either get rid of or make? Like, there's a, it, we have a, an easy template to start with um, that makes it so that it's just infinitely easier to sort of look at or to get down on paper what the sort of whole vision is of, of the, the initial vision of the, of the game and its systems and all of that uh, versus starting with that, again, that, that, the whole like blank, that blank slate thing, um, because part of what you have to then do when you're coming from a blank slate is ask questions like, how, how do I know this thing is going to be fun, <laughs> right? Like, how, how do I know I'll be able to enjoy this? And we get to go from something that we already know is fun, uh, and we get to iterate on that, but we get to now do it based on our direct knowledge of what wasn't fun about it and what yeah. could be more fun and so on versus starting out from scratch where you just literally have no idea and you might want to you, – you're going to feel like you need to play test it first. So you're going to feel like the iteration has to happen – as part of the development process, which then for us it did for all of our past games. So yeah, I don't. I think I still think there's some room there for, for the possibility that if it's if it's a, if it's a thing you've never made before, right? Then planning for it is a lot harder, and there may still be room there for a more chaotic approach. But but that does require leaving behind all of the cool stuff that makes it much easier to make games make professionally, games. Yes. yeah, and make bigger <laughs> games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, well, and I think in a, in a weird way, we are iterating, you know? Like, That's the thing. Yeah. It's the cheap. Yeah. We're, <laughs> it's we're just iterating iteration yeah. possible. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we get to take advantage of the, of the, 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 the chaotic design process, but on a document yeah. instead of on the game. Which, which is a fair is, point, is that we're actually not throwing away design by chaos at all. Right. In, in the sense that we're just from the original visioning of it, which was like you make some stuff and then get a sense of like what that implies, right? Does, you, yeah. you sort of make some decisions, see what that does, and then go deal with the impacts of that in the in the rest of the thing. Which is actually exactly what Sam is doing as he as he blazes ahead with mm-hmm. the pre production stuff. Yeah, so hopefully that answers the question. Uh, but of course, we're still just figuring stuff out. So I don't even know. Yeah, we'll let, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll I think I'd like to put together some notes on 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 this pre production process once we once we actually begin production for real, um, because I think one of the things that's been very that has been very opaque to me uh, before starting this was basically the difference between the two, uh, pre production and production, and mm. and and the actual sort of you know process a structured process that you can walk through as a person to uh, to get your game from like actually do pre production. Uh, with the game because there actually isn't there's not a sort of standard template for it um it it is or maybe there is but we don't know about i mean i've looked yeah (laughs) someone's got it send that send that pdf over please you know i need it just send us that pdf of how to make game uh (laughs) so all right well that's all the time we have for this week uh we'd like to thank our producers fat bard and jen costa for putting the podcast together and thanks to our community moderators who keep our discord running 
To get more involved in the community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net. We've got links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, as well as links to the podcast archives. So thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.